Well, Jerry, you know, for this podcast, uh, we're, we're talking about the work of Jesus Christ. And I think uh, oftentimes in the church, we're, we're kind of focused on, on kind of encouraging people to do good works. And, and we're created to do good works. And, um, but, but I think, it, you know, why is it important to maybe start with understanding what, what Jesus has done for us first? Okay. Well, the, the great central point of God's revelation, the Old and New Testament, is Jesus Christ. Hmm. And Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, says in various times in the past and in various ways, God has spoken to us through the prophet, but in these days he has spoken to us through his son. Hmm. And then he goes on to say that his son is the radiance of his glory in the exact representation of his nature. And then he says, and after he had made atonement for sin, he sat down at the right hand. God. So what the writer of Hebrews does is what we've been doing. First, we talk about the person of who Jesus Christ is, and he does too in chapter Mm -hmm. 1, verse 2. Then we talk about the work of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. which the writer of Hebrews does also in verse 3 of chapter 1. And so once we understand the person and who he is, then we're in a position to really begin to now examine the work uh, that he did, and because all of Scripture is is leading up leading to this up one to moment. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It's, it that is the central focus of the entire Scripture, hmm. Old and New Testament. So what is so? Jesus is fully God. He's he's fully man. He's one person, two natures. Um, all all creation. I mean, not all creation, but all history is is aiming for this moment when Jesus enters our world. Um, so, so when you talk about the work of Jesus Christ, what are you talking about that Jesus has done? What's the work that all history was leading up to? The primary thing that Jesus has done, I think you can put in one word, reconciliation. Mm. We sinned and were at odds, became enemies of God. We became rebels. Uh, there was a barrier that was came between us. Uh, we were became at war with him, mm-hmm. and Jesus came to restore and put an end to the war and to reconcile us to the Father and to restore that relationship that had been lost. This is maybe one of the big differences between God and us: is is people will sin against me. And I won't be at war with them. I mean, I, I may not like it when my son is disrespectful to me, but it's not like there's this massive thing that occurs when, when someone sins against me. And, and part of that is because sin is so normal to my life. I mean, it, it's just so normative to everything I'm around. I'm, I feel like I'm always a part of sin. And, and then there's this part of God. It's, it's the holiness of God. And we, we read things like God hates certain sins mm-hmm. and um so so let's let's start there when when a man messes up we always say use mess up rather than volitionally sin because we're trying to lessen our own guilt i think when we do it no i think yeah i think the common phrase today is i made an error i judgment. made an error that's right i i didn't actually I made an lie error. i just made an error in, in my recollection in, of the event you know um, an error in judgment yes. <laughs> an error in judgment and so obviously you would never um hold me like there would never be a, a real punishment 
for an error in judgment, would there? Well, that's what we would hope. That's what we would hope. And, and yet it seems that in God's economy, in God's way of thinking, mm-hmm. there, there really is this huge problem with sin. Um, and, and so describe in, in your understanding, you know, why, why is it that God can't just blink at sin? Why is there this huge um, reaction to man's sin, starting with Adam? Well, God is the ultimate in holiness. And uh, oftentimes uh, his holiness is depicted as light, for example. First mm-hmm. uh, John. Uh, one five. This is the word, message that we have given you: that God is light, and there is no darkness in Him. Mm-hmm. And then verse six says, "If you claim to have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, uh, you're you're lying. You're deceiving okay. yourself." Yep. So what John is doing is in using the example of light, he is analogizing that to holiness. Mm unholiness he is showing is darkness and the scripture oftentimes refers to us in our sin as darkness Hmm. well if you come into a dark room and you flip the light on what Hmm. happens to the darkness it dispels yeah yeah, it can't exist so he can't simply wink at it Hmm. and and let it uh, and say okay well we'll just forget that because we're darkness Hmm. uh, and he's light Uh, And the two aren't compatible. Mm -hmm. In fact, Paul goes on to say that in Ephesians 5, and I want to say in about verse 10, 9 or 10, he Mm -hmm. says, but you were darkness, Mm -hmm. but now you are light. In other words, Paul doesn't say you were in the darkness. Oh, no, he says you were darkness. Mm -hmm. So if he's light and we're darkness... There's no way. There's no way we can have a relationship. No way. Yeah, we have to be brought into the light. But in order for that to happen and survive, we have to be made light. Hmm. So we know from... Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think... uh, So we know that once we've sinned, then we are darkness. It's not that we made an error. It's not we made a mistake. There there is something inside of us that is dark Mm -hmm. when we've sinned. And so... The only way for that to be fixed was for Jesus to do something. So what did Jesus do to to solve the darkness in man's souls? Well, Jesus uh, bore our sin, if you will. He bore our darkness uh, and was punished for our sin. Uh, let me put it this way. Um, there are two in law, and this is true of God's law, it's, it's also true of human law. There are two types of law. There's what's called legislative law, and there's what's called judicial law. Okay, Legislative is the statement of what you can or can't do. Like the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament exactly. of God's a legislative yeah. law. That's the legislative law. The judicial law is what happens when you violate the legislative. Mm-hmm. So if, for example, it says you shall bring your vehicle to a stop when the light is red, mm-hmm. that's the legislative law. If you run the red light, mm-hmm. the judicial law kicks in, you're going to pay a penalty, you're mm-hmm. going to pay a fine. Now, 
the Ten Commandments was set up in order to demonstrate for us the Ten Commandments, as you said, mm-hmm. the right. That was the legislative law. It was put in place in order that we might realize that we are darkness hmm. because we can't keep it. So we violate the legislative law. The penalty is the judicial side of it, death, condemnation. Hmm. Okay, so we have all violated the Ten Commandments, the legislative, and we have now subject to the penalty. Now, we, we in Texas believe in the death penalty, but most of us are kind of like, wow, that seems really harsh, you know, to say that sin warrants the death penalty. But that's kind of what God says. And so we need to take him at his word at some point and say, if he, if he says the wages of sin is death, you know, the right results of sin is death, that's a, that's a fearful verse to know yeah, that the sin nature that we were born with resulted in physical death entering into the race so where everybody mm. dies even when a fetus dies in the womb it is due to the sin nature mm. um, but when god says ultimately the ultimate penalty is death he's talking about spiritual death which mm-hmm. is eternal separation from him in mm. other words we being darkness are eternally separated from the source of light and mm-hmm. life, and that that's that's what death is. Mm. It's a separation, uh, and it it is what it is. I mm-hmm. mean, it can't be otherwise. I mean, light and darkness can't can't be mutually compatible. With mm-hmm. one another. It's no such thing as mutual coexistence. You can't do it. So you are necessarily separated from a holy God who is light because your sin is darkness. Um, now, what Jesus did is he took that darkness that we have mm. on him. He was worthy uh, to do it because he never violated the legislative part of it. Mm. He was utterly obedient to God. It was more than just the Ten Commandments. I mean, he was totally obedient to all that God said. So he never violated that legislative aspect. And so he was worthy to take our sin, our darkness on him and then pay our penalty. He got punished Hmm. for what I did. So I've heard people say, you know, kind of like back to your red light example, if you run the red light and you get the ticket and you owe the $100, but you don't have the $100, and they'll put you in jail after a while if you don't ever pay the $100. I mean, that's a pretty serious deal. Um, and, And what happened with Jesus is he said, okay, you can't pay that, so I'll pay it for you. And he stepped in, and even though he didn't run the red light, he paid it for us. So that's what, uh, I've heard it said, substitutionary atonement, where he is our substitute for the punishment that we deserve. So we don't have to fear for that because he stepped in and took it on him. Yeah, and and what's, what's really, when you think about it, is overwhelming is how many, when Jesus died on the cross, how many of your sins were still in the future? Mm-hmm. All of them. Yeah, because I wasn't alive back then. No, yeah, no, all of them. He covered all of your sin before you were ever born. Mm. And so, you know, we try not to sin, but do sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to please Him and not sin. Yeah, but we live in sinful bodies, and and we do. But that's covered. Mm-hmm. That's covered. So before you came into Christ. Um, uh, sin mandated 
condemnation. Hmm. But once Jesus took your sin, your darkness, and was punished for what you were supposed to be punished for, Hmm. now sin, when we confess it, mandates forgiveness. Hmm. 1 John 1, 9. And it's not God blinking at sin. He's, He's looking at the finished work of Christ. It's paid for. And it says, oh, that's paid for. So I'm not blinking at it. I'm saying it's already handled. And we're just applying the blood of Christ to it so we don't have to talk about it anymore. If, and I don't remember if we used this analogy before in one of our former talks, but if I had a judgment against you for a million dollars. I'd be in trouble because I don't have a million dollars. You'd be in trouble because you yeah. don't have a million dollars. Right. And I could make life pretty darn miserable for yeah. you. Uh, I could sell your house. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't sell your house, uh, at least not in Texas. Other states, other states could. you could, yeah. But I could garnish your bank accounts. Yep. I could Paychecks. force you to come in and produce evidence of where your your assets are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't answer my questions, I can have you put in jail. I can harass you for years. Mm-hmm. But if somebody else comes in and pays that judgment that you owe, yeah. I don't have any way of going against you again. Mm. Because that judgment was what I would have used to hassle you, hmm. but once that's paid, it's over. I I don't I can't come against you again. And how ludicrous to walk out of that courtroom with the judgment paid and still be feeling all the guilt of being a debtor. And yeah. I just think how many Christians walk around saying, "Well, I know Jesus did." did do something for me but man i just feel the weight of all this debt of what mm-hmm. i owe and i just think ah oh, they're just they're missing that's i think you know, there are a lot of people like that and I, I talk to a lot of people like that and they don't understand and it hasn't gotten into them uh, mm-hmm. uh, into their hearts the truth of romans 8 1 there is now therefore mm-hmm. no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus and also uh, there is no double jeopardy. Once mm. it's paid, it's paid. Mm. The, the Constitution will not let you be tried twice for, for the, the same, same thing. If you're acquitted the first time, you can't be tried again. Well, it's the same with God. Mm. Uh, there is no double jeopardy. It's paid. Once it's paid, it's paid in full, and all of it's paid. It's mm. once for all. So everything you might have done sinful-wise right up until the day you died uh, it was paid for. Now, does that give you a license to sin? No, if you think that, you're completely off base in terms of what God did for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so what God, Jesus has done... And kind of just to jump on that, I think, I think it's something that is important. There, there are certain verses that should give us pause mm-hmm. about a Christian who continues seemingly unrepentantly in the same path of right. sin. Um there is no shortage to the forgiveness offered at the cross, but the to access that there does seem to need to be repentance and confession of your sin to the Lord. Can can you comment on that? Like you, like well, I'm covered in the blood, so I can just sin with impunity. Yeah, um, we are um, delivered from our sin and brought into relationship with him in order that the desire of our hearts would be to please him. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking before we started this, you know, we were talking about secondary doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Edwards was uh, reformed in his theology 
and would have uh, asserted, uh, would have contended for the idea of uh, uh, the security of the believer. In mm -hmm. other words, once you're genuinely saved, you can't lose it. Yeah. All right, Jonathan, uh, John Wesley mm -hmm. was an Arminian, and the Arminian uh, theology does believe that there are conditions in which you can lose your salvation, mm -hmm. even though you've legitimately obtained it. They would be diametrically opposed to each other on that point, but both of them would have agreed mm. that the evidence of salvation, that it's genuine, is a holy life. Mm. And the idea that people could be saved and live an unholy life, especially deliberately, that would have been an anathema of both of them. Mm. Uh, See, I think one of the things that I, I think I have done at times in my life is I've done the first John 1, 9 thing where you confess your sins, but I think I've, I've kind of been self-absolving myself of the sin. Mm -hmm. And that's where you, you, you read the verse, but it's not you're really agreeing with God about the right. sin. You're just declaring, man, I got this sin, and, and I hope you forgive me. And, and I think what, what you're saying is dead on, that we need to repent of that sin, because if you don't, then that's just seemingly bizarre for a new creation mm -hmm. to be walking yeah. the same path of darkness. It doesn't and, seem and, to make any sense. And Romans 6 deals a lot with that very aspect. He, he's saying, you know, uh, he's saying, don't take the members of your body mm -hmm. and submit them to sin. Dishonor, yeah. Uh, because you are no longer under the reign of sin. Mm -hmm. That See, that's the tremendous thing about what Jesus did. When you were under the reign of sin before you were in Jesus, sin was uh, a master over you. Mm -hmm. And you could not not sin. Could not not. Yes, that's right. You could not not sin because yeah. you were under the reign of sin. That's right. But Jesus, because you were identified with him in mm -hmm. his death and resurrection, he broke that sin. Mm. Uh, the reign of sin. Yep. Now we're still in sinful bodies. Right. But we're not under the reign of sin. Sin remains, mm -hmm. but sin no longer reigns. Right. And Romans 6 deals with that in great detail mm. uh, that we have the power in Christ to avoid that. And our mm. desire should be to, to walk in a holy way. Yes. Uh, to walk in the light. And we get back to 1 John 1 again. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, mm -hmm. 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all sin and we have fellowship with one another. Mm -hmm. Well, what's one another? Fellowship with him, but also fellowship with each, with each other. other. Because sin will destroy the fellowship with God, but mm -hmm. it also destroys the fellowship with each other hmm. uh, because we wind up sinning against each other. Now, that's the first part of his work. So the first part of his work is he he forgives us. He, he definitely has taken all the punishment. We don't have to worry about someday where God's going to lower the boom on us. What is what is the second part of the work? Well, what, what he's done is he's obtained for us forgiveness of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just an incredible concept mm. uh, and thing to have happened. But that we might say that's sort of the negative aspect. Mm -hmm. all right? God never does just the negative. Mm. He always has the positive. In other words, he not only forgave our sin, mm -hmm. but he wanted a relationship with us. Yeah. 
uh, and you know you can I can forgive you can sin against me and I can forgive that mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean I have a relationship with you, you know? it means there's just nothing there right. I mean there's no reason to be upset with me but there's no positive reason to build that's anything. right but he wants not just he's getting your sin out of the way and, and getting it taken care of because he wants a relationship with mm. you and that's the other part of restoration and reconciliation so how do we become light when we've been darkness well first of all the darkness is dealt with mm-hmm. judicially and then we are given the righteousness of Christ, hmm. and we become light. And now light is able to communicate and be in communion with light. And that's exactly hmm. what Ephesians 5, 9, and 10 is saying. You were before darkness, but now you are light in Christ. Why? Because God has given you the righteousness of Christ. Not the righteousness of God himself. That's an attribute of God. Right. No, the righteousness of the man, Jesus, who was without sin. That righteousness we've been given. He couldn't give you the righteousness that is God's righteousness. And that's frankly what got the Protestant Reformation going. Hmm. Because uh, Luther, when he was a monk, was desperate to know God. Mm-hmm. And so he was doing a study on Romans and he got to Romans one seventeen, and it stopped him because he says um, for him, 16 says for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of salvation unto God to the Jew first and also to the Greek for in it mm. we have the righteousness of God Mm. Uh, that I've forgotten how it goes exactly, that the righteous would walk by faith. Yeah, the righteous would walk by faith. His attitude was, that's not fair. We can't be righteous like God. And then it dawned on him that that it was the righteousness of Christ, the man, Mm. that was imputed to him. And that he could receive. Mm. The the gift of that. Yeah, and he said it was like light coming into my cell. And that Mm. was the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. So, uh, one way I've thought of this in the past is think of sin like a really bad smell. Like when my kids yeah, like, that's a good way to look at it. Coming from the outside, they're smelling all craziness. I'm like, dude, you guys smell horrible, and that's all that sin. And so we have to get washed somehow. Mm-hmm. So washing all the the mud and the sin and the junk off, now we have clean, but it's the absence of smell. Mm. And and the righteousness of Christ, we can think of all the good works that Jesus done because righteousness comes from the goodness of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we think of all those good things as a good smell. Well, he takes that smell and not only takes off our bad smell, but then gives us all this good smell that when the Father wraps his arms around us, he's actually smelling the good smell of Christ on us in that moment. Mm-hmm. And he smiles. Right. Even though we know that he's smelling Christ, he's he's given us that same smell. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. It's a it's a fragrant aroma to him. Hmm. And uh, what justification is? Justification is a one time event. Hmm. It, it is a legal verdict in court, not guilty. Mm-hmm. 
And there's two aspects to it. That sin is paid for. Yep. Therefore, sin is forgiven by by virtue of Jesus paying for it. So mm-hmm. we're let off. Yep. But the second part of it is he then imparts mm-hmm. Jesus' righteousness to us. So we are now light in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lousy deal for Jesus. For Jesus. <laughs> I mean, he got yeah. our sin. We yeah. got his righteousness. Yes. Uh, but... That is the way God did it, and the even the the angels are amazed. Mm. You know, nobody saw that. I think Satan got blindsided. I don't think mm. he realized how it was going to work. He thought if he could just kill him before he took the throne, mm. uh, he would negate God's word, which he's always tried to do and never been able to do. But then, what God does is He imputes. The way that worked was He imputed our sin to Jesus. Jesus didn't become mm. our sin. God imputed that mm-hmm. to him. He didn't become a sinner. Right. But he imputed our sin. And because he was bearing our sin, uh, he got punished for it. Mm. Uh, that just amazes me. Okay, and he could what, have at any moment, he could have snapped his finger and said, I'm out on yeah. this deal. Because it's not like he, he was supposed to be punished for our sin. But he held on because he the joy set before him. Yeah, he volunteered yeah. to do it. Yeah. But then God imputes our righteousness. Of, um, God imputes Christ's righteousness to mm-hmm. us. So when God looked on Jesus on the cross, he saw us mm. in our sin. Mm. But when God looks at us now, he sees Jesus. Mm. That's what imputation does. Now, sanctification comes in, and that's a process mm-hmm. where we are becoming what he has imputed to us. Mm-hmm. We, <laughs> we start generating some good smell we, we in that be- process. <laughs> yeah, we begin to grow in yeah. holiness. Yeah. So what happens is by Christ's righteousness being imputed to us, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. Yeah. Okay. But in the process of sanctification, God's Christ's righteousness is imparted to us. Mm. So when the world looks at us, they see Jesus. Mm. Um, and sanctification and justification are, are intertwined. But mm-hmm. justification is two parts, forgiveness of sin, impartation of righteousness, and it is a one-time verdict. It is a legal decision, a one-time verdict. But sanctification is a process that flows out of the result of justification. Mm. And that is part two of the work of I mean, Jesus. Continues on today. Yep.